Welcome to post-game edition number two of Spits and Suds. Man, does it always feel better late night when you get a Stars victory like we did. Welcome, everybody. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Chap Shots, D Magazine, author. You name it, he does it. He's our NHL guru on The Fan. He is Sean Shapiro. He's up late, but he's got a smile on his face. That was much easier to watch tonight. Much, much easier. It's uh, and it's a game too where we're not. Uh, the stars uh, did us a favor after we were doing this into late into the morning. Yeah. I mean, the the game still went. It was, it was still. Uh, they ended it on the same day it started, and honestly, uh, with how it was settled, uh, you you could have if you, if you needed to catch up on some some sleep, you could have missed the. You could have gone to bed a little bit early, even if. But obviously, <laughs> uh, you. You as the listener did not. You're uh, you stuck through to to make to see whether it was a six to three or seven to three final. But uh, honestly, a uh, we talked on after the game uh, Monday into Tuesday morning about how this team. Neither of us felt worried about what the stars were going to do. That's correct. And this was, and they came out and. It's been there's been uh, eight periods of hockey in this in this series now, and you could say this, I mean the stars have been better for six of them. It was just yep. the first two periods, uh, just the first two periods basically of game one, and and then one unlucky break for Dallas in overtime. So, yeah, um, we're gonna get into. I mean, it's this game is the stars won this game obviously, but I think there is an important thing to talk about because it's the playoffs and decision wise. And I know, I think you have some audio to, to I plug do. here in a set in a second, but Minnesota made a decision that I'm not saying they would have won the game if they went the other way, but they certainly, they had house money on the table. They had the chance to take a two Oh series lead and they did not make the proper decision. Yeah. So, so listen, I'm going to toot the horn of the fan, and I'm going to toot the horn of Spits and Suds. As you mentioned, if you if you listen to Spits and Suds post game the other night, you and I weren't worried. And what did we both talk about? The slow start in the first period, and how that mm-hmm. was a major factor in the game. And then on the post game comments, and for the last couple of days, all you've heard is we got to get out to a faster start, we got to get out to a quicker start, and they did tonight. And the second thing is, is that, you know, you always get rumblings. And I appreciate that Stars fans want more hockey knowledge. They want us to talk Stars uh, more on the fan. And we have done that as a station collectively. We've met about it. We've talked about it. That's why we created this podcast, Spits and Suds. So yesterday on GBag Nation, Joe O'Donnell, the voice of the wild, nice enough to come in. And this is what he said yesterday when Brian Broaddus asked him, about the wild goaltending uh, situation? It's a great question. Dean Evason told the broadcast group for a lot of the year, down the stretch in particular, that his plan was to use both guys because they'd done it all year and it worked. And in the NHL, typically you find that one guy, right? I mean, it's almost unheard of. I guess somebody mentioned that the Capitals, when they won the Cup in 2018, um, used both Braden Holtby and whoever the heck the backup or the 1B would have been at that time. Uh, we'll see, I guess, tomorrow. That'll be the first tell if if the Wild have the the stones to 
even after a 52 save performance, uh, flip the flip the script and and put in the soon to be Hall of Famer Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. We were debating amongst ourselves, some of the wild broadcasters, TV and and, and myself earlier today about it, and uh, I I tend to think they might start Mark Mark Andre Fleury, but uh, Dean's been kind of coy about this come playoff time, so we'll see tomorrow. And there you go, Sean. Joe was leaning toward Dean Evason going with Marc-Andre Fleury, and he did. And it's a scratch-your-head situation here in Dallas. It's a scratch-your-head situation nationwide. And I'm sure he's probably rethinking that decision. And Minnesota collectively is probably saying now, after the fact, why did you do that? But it seems from Joe's perspective that this was the norm and Dave Evason has this plan where we're going to treat it like the regular season. I'm sure that might change. That doesn't make it wrong or right. I mean, we clearly disagree with the decision, but I thought Joe's perspective was interesting. Yeah, it is. And it, it's, I, even if this was the plan, and I think clearly this was looking at the evidence that this was always the plan. Um, Gustafson in game one, Flurry in game two. Um, it shows a lack of flexibility to put your best team on the ice. Honestly, like even if this was the plan after what Gustafson did in game one, you have to adjust your plan. You have to change it and you have to go to flurry into to Gustafson. You have to go back to the guy in game two. There's no, it, it, it's, it's a, it's an, it's kind of an inexcusable decision almost because it's it's the space where there's no positive to playing flurry in game two in this after what if Gustafson comes back and plays game two and if he if they lost with Gustafson tonight and that okay then he can go to flurry to game three and everything like that but it's it just sends so many wrong messages like Jake Ottinger he lost game one but there was never any question that he was going to get the net in game two. There was never any question. The stars never had any. And and Gustafson and Flurry, and it's kind of interesting because um, you would think as the veteran, you'd be like, oh, Flurry's the the calm one, the whatever, right? It's actually more of the opposite. Flurry's more of the energized goalie. He's the it's a little bit of a, a smaller guy, but he's a, by goalie typical height standards he's not massive and so he's more of the energized goalie he's more of the guy who builds off momentum and Gustafson is more like Ottinger we watched in game one there where Gustafson has a bit of that big calm presence where he's not creating energy and from a Minnesota perspective you're up 1-0 in the series the goal score from game one is out and Ryan Hartman. Eric Sinek is still out. Don't you want the normalcy back from game one that you yep. can at least build on and have that in that? Like, I, I don't understand this. I really don't understand the decision to, to, I don't understand. I understand why you may have laid it out in the first place. I don't understand the lack of flexibility to go back to Gustafson in game two. Yeah. Um, it's to me, to me, it's, it's, it's a decision that honestly, if the wild are going to win this series, um, if the wild were really going to win this series, they could have won this series tonight in a way. I mean, they, they could have, they could have Gustafson could have 
come out and they could have stolen tonight and they would have been up 2-0 and they would have said to win two out of the final two out of five games against Dallas. Now there's questions for Minnesota, obviously the injury related ones. There's questions for, um, if you're Gustafson, you're dealing with a mixed message of like, you were good enough to play game one and be the guy, but you're not getting the net there. Like it's, I Minnesota, like this, the stars went and won this game. I want to be clear on that. Right. Da- Dallas went and won this game, but Minnesota also shot itself in the foot and made it easier for Dallas to win this game. And that to me is inexcusable at playoff time. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I will say from the stars perspective, they put a lot of pressure on flurry and a lot of pressure early. And, uh, it was, you know, stylistically, these two teams are so different, uh, opposing. And I I think both methods can work, but tonight I felt as though we saw a stretched ice advantage stars, open ice advantage stars. I felt as though the wild physicality couldn't be a factor because they were chasing the stars. I just felt as though the stars had good legs from the jump. Um, and a lot of stars fans were asking, and I'm sure you got this as well. One of the things that I, you know, pointed out was a lot of people on social media were using the term retribution, you know, Jamie Ben has to drop the gloves, you know, watch out Dumber, we're coming after you. And so I tweeted this earlier today, seeing quote retribution used a lot. The best retribution is a win and winning this series. Stakes are too high to take a major misconduct, suspension, injury, et cetera. Now, Derek Holland pointed out, former Rangers pitcher, uh, on our midday show today, the Jose Batista situation. That's a good example. Mm-hmm. Drop mitts yep. next year if you want. So, you know, possibly next year, likely in Dallas, I'm sure someone will take on Matt Dumba at some point, and I'm sure Dumba will accept that fight. Um, but... I did want to get that in there. Wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, similar to Bautista, couldn't do it in the Rangers Blue Jays scenario because obviously the playoff stakes were to go to the World Series. However, um, the very next year, when they had the opportunity, when the opportunity was right, when the game was out of hand during the regular season, that's when the Bautista situation happened. And I think we'll see the same thing with the Stars and Wild. I mean, I, uh, it's obviously largely dependent too on whether, I mean, Matt Dumba may be playing his final games with the wild too. That's the other thing where it's like, if Matt Dumba is no longer a member of the Minnesota wild after that, after this series, which is highly possible. Yeah. It, it may, it may be something that just fizzles out. I mean, at the end of the day, true. The biggest thing and the most important thing, and you said it perfectly is, you want to go the best retribution is playing your game, winning your game and ending Minnesota season. That's, that is the best form of retribution. Nothing physically will, will change that. And um, I think there's been some, there's been some takes, some, some unfortunate takes out there about how the, uh, Falling back for what things, how things may have gone in the mid nineties and, and how people maybe should have gone after Dumba. And yeah, like 
it doesn't doing that lets Dumba continue to win because you're you're not going to hurt him. You're not going to go out of your way to hurt him. And by allowing one hit on Joe Pavelski to be more than just a hit that injured Joe Pavelski, to be something that changes your mentality at all, allows the Wild to win. Um, like, like for example, so when the Stars recalled Riley Tufty today, and, I, and Riley Tufty's a great story and everything like that, but I'm really happy Riley Tufty did not play in this game because yeah. I was actually worried. Um, I was really worried that this was going to be like the 2016 series when the Stars were getting bullied by the Blues and they called up Curtis McKenzie and uh, to play and uh, and had an un- the unfortunate incident where we actually fought Ryan Reeves and it ended up with Reeves blowing a, a kiss to the Stars bench. I was when they called Tufty up. I was worried that they were overreacting to. Minnesota's physicality and not playing their game instead. And I love what they did. Instead, they stuck with their game. They put in the next man up in Yoel Kiviranta and, and Kiviranta helped set up the shorthanded goal to start the game. They stuck with how they're good. And the only way Minnesota wins this series is if they bully the stars and they have Gustafson steel games. Well, Minnesota took one thing out of hand today itself by taking Gustafson out of the game, which I believe is foolish. And then the stars handled the other thing where they didn't get bullied. They just put pucks in the net. They adapted and uh, they're playing for Pavelski right now. Like, I mean, it's something where to me, uh, I'm glad Joe Pavelski is obviously not playing because he's going through the concussion protocol and everything like that. It's definitely telling to me there was the quote from uh, Luke Glendening this morning where the Stars said they want to keep playing, so Joe has a chance to come back. That, to me, is one of the most telling quotes about the longevity or of the Pavelski injury where Luke Glendening understands what's up. Luke yeah. Glendening gets the situation. If he's talking about how we got to win rounds for Pavelski to get back, that gives you a better idea of what we're talking about. And frankly, I'm glad somebody said it because – it could be kind of sickening to go ah, game three. Could Joe Pavelski be back? Like, no, like Joe Pavelski's head needs to get right first yeah. before he comes back at all. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're listening to a post game edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. One of the other aspects that I really liked tonight was without Joe Pavelski, um, which is a massive uh, component of that first line. Rope Hans and Jason Robertson still did their thing. And we saw some great uh, play from Robertson, from Hans. Sagan did a nice job stepping up on that line. Also, wanted to give credit because I thought they were quiet. Um, even though Wyatt Johnston had some great chances in game one, the Ben, the Donoff, Johnston line was a force tonight. The, the Donoff trade is uh, something that uh, yeah, that's really paying off. I mean, it was I really looked at that trade when it happened as more of a get rid of Dennis Gurionov trade than a bring in Donoff trade. But it's been a really sneaky good move for the Stars. He's fit in so well. Um, he's played so well with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnston, and like he is a uh, he gets the job done right around the net. Like it's the uh, it's been a really good move for, for the stars, the Dodonov trade. Um, 
even more so of like you look back at the deadline and you think like the Domi trade is the one was the bigger name, the bigger profile, but the Dodonov trade is the one that has netted better results and they were good. Um, I thought uh, looking at the game tonight, it's kind of amazing to, because to think that this will get lost in it, but I mean, Miro Heishkinen dropping four assists tonight. Yeah, good point. And, and four assists and three, I want to double check this, three of them on the power play, I believe. Like just the, um, the way the the way he stepped up and it's it's kind of like we talked about going into this series how it was kind of fitting that they were playing a team that has John Klingberg even though Klingberg hasn't played yet this series obviously because of injury but to see Miro continue to seize that power play QB one status and really own it uh, and then just on a night like tonight it's I thought it was almost fitting too, where the stars scored a couple of goals on tips. Like you talk about like yes. little like subtle tributes to like working on things that kind of Joe Pavelski helped install as part of the culture of this team that still are there, even when he's unfortunately watching from home. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, there was one point in the game that I think the stars can learn from and that's, they had total momentum and then hawk and paw, you know, holds happen, penalties happen. It probably shouldn't have happened, kind of needless. But, I mean, you know, it's a physical game. And the Wild exploded with a power play goal and then a goal right after that, and you're like, oh, wow. Um, and it's a one-goal lead. But kudos to the Stars. They stayed aggressive. Um, they kept to their game. And the Stars score. I mean, Tonight's game was a back-and-forth tilt. I mean, if you're just kind of like that passive hockey fan, you know, you kind of just went tonight and you're like, my God, hockey's the greatest game ever. Look at all this excitement, goals, back and forth. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the uh, – I mean, this was fun, right? Like, it's been a fun – like, both games have been fun for various reasons. Obviously. It has. The, the bedtime was not as fun for game one, but the, the game one had the drama and the overtime setup, and this had the the scoring and everything like that. And I uh, met, I'm watching on TV and it's coming through like the Dallas crowd tonight was awesome. Yeah. Like I, I know there's been this big narrative on hockey Twitter right now of like the loudest building in the NHL and people have been like, and I, I don't want to go down that debate of what's the loudest building in NHL because I think it's very silly because it's like um, it's it's the same way that every single coach and every single team and every single player will say we have the best fans in the world. But you could feel the energy through the TV night from Dallas. Yep. You could watch like it was it was like Dallas fans showed up. It was that was fun. So I agree. It was uh, fun. All right. So let's look forward to. Uh, game three on Friday. I mean, clearly both teams have to regroup now and a day off. So uh, how does Dallas continue the momentum? Is it just as simple, Sean, as just play your game, you'll win, you know, this series will play out, just don't buy into um, the situation uh, with the physicality of the wild and you'll be fine. Yeah, I think the only thing you change is um, uh, I, I think the only slight change you make is 
with uh, assuming Gustafson will be back in goal for game three, which probably yep. will be obviously will be the case. I think the only thing you change is the one area where Fleury is better than Gustafson is at puck handling. And so I think the one thing you do to try to, as a team, to make a slight tweak to try to get to the wild, you try to, you try to develop more of the forecheck. You kind of take tonight and you try to develop a little bit more of the forecheck, um, especially going into Minnesota, going into a place where they'll have matchups. Um, I think that's really the only slight tweak. That's the emphasis you bring in. How do we get the puck into those corners where Gustafson can't handle it? How do we kind of build off that? But aside from that, you basically bottle up game two and say, do the same thing over again. And, and this is just like, these are just small tweaks where you, you add the, um, you just kind of, you add on top of what's already working. Should be a raucous crowd in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, but that's what you want, you know, and this you're right. This series is a lot of fun. So I will also tell Stars fans, you know, <laughs> this is hockey. It's emotional, and but it's a long series. And I refer you to Boston tonight as the Florida mm-hmm. Panthers tied up uh, this series. I refer you to Carolina, um, where Carolina won in overtime, but that series is awfully close. The Kraken are up one game to none. The Winnipeg Jets, as we record this, are up one game to none. So it's long, and I mean, you know, I think if I'm Gary Bettman, I'm kind of sitting back, Sean, and I'm like, I love this parody. This is what these first rounds are all about. Yeah, I mean, the first round is, by 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 and large, the best time of the year. The two weeks where there's so many games um obviously we talked earlier in the week about kind of manipulating start times would probably be more ideal but yeah um i think there is i go back to um when i from my time covering the texas stars and uh, willie desjardins who uh is now coaching the whl but was eventually coached the vancouver canucks after his time in texas he always said uh he always said the easiest game to steal is game one on the road because that's where you can sneak in there and, and kind of take, take it. And to me, that's a perfect example with um, Seattle taking game one in Colorado and the Kings with in pretty spectacular fashion, like they did in game one, obviously Edmonton came back and won tonight or Winnipeg going into Vegas. It's, not every team has played two games out West. Um, but even though the series is tied one, one stars look like I've looked like the most complete team out West. I, I, I know it's kind of like silly to say after just two games, but like Seattle, I mean, Winnipeg went into Vegas. And I think that was more of, it seemed to me more like Vegas was struggling. The Kings and Oilers are split, but they've both been good. Like, the stars have been the better team for two games and it just yeah. happens to be they are Gustafson for one game. So like I'm feeling really good about where the stars sit yeah. on this path forward right now. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Optostats on Twitter uh sent this out. Rope Hints of the Dallas Stars is the first NHL player to score a shorthanded goal, an even strength goal, and a power play goal in three separate periods in the same postseason game since Mario Lemieux did it on May eleventh, nineteen ninety six. 
it's uh, just it's the first uh, first hat trick we've had since the franchise moved to Dallas that actually took place with fans in attendance because the other three hat tricks in franchise playoff history since the franchise moved to Dallas. And it's actually amazing to think about this because you think about all those runs in the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah. The Stars never had a hat trick until the Edmonton bubble. And in the bubble, they had uh, Pavelski, Kiviranta, and Guriana have all had hat tricks in the bubble. Yeah. But <laughs> that that's it. Like, that's it. Like, but to think that for the history of this franchise and the deep runs they took in the late 90s when they won cups and everything like that, the fact that there was never that Madano, Neuendijk, Hull, that, uh, even like, or like, or uh, like the fact that no one else had had a hat trick in franchise history. Um, it's one of those like, wow, that's pretty surprising to me stats when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you watching Ryan Suter get under uh Kaprizov's skin or trying? I don't think he is. Yeah. I, I, I really, I, I don't like, I, I, I'm seeing him try. Yeah. Um, I think with Kaprizov at the end of the day, part of this comes down to, he has to carry that team offensively so much. I don't think, I don't think a, another player getting under his skin from the other team is going to be, is really the breakdown. I think it's more so of Kaprizov has to do so much for this team that, Jason Robertson doesn't have to do for Dallas because the wild aren't built the same way. And I think, I think, I think that's kind of more of it. And you start to see the, some of the frustration come together that way. Um, I did really like um, Gavin. I did really like seeing uh, Thomas Harley getting to run the second power play unit tonight. And yes. I re I, I liked that a lot. I thought that was uh, whether that was a score effects or a real, decision we'll find out but i i really liked at least seeing that in this realm because um i, I want thomas harley to be a long-term part of the stars and i think running the power play is a big step for him in the nhl um it's uh yeah no it was it was lots of good things to take out of tonight yeah you go to now and now, now, now you just go to minnesota and you'd obviously love to come back three, one, but it's, it's very much, it's, it's, it's still as simple as if you're Dallas, you feel pretty good. I mean, if you can just split in Minnesota, you're still feeling pretty good about everything, but I think you can also go into higher expectations, especially after tonight, because you've got a Minnesota team that's reeling. They're dealing with injuries. Um, and even if they get some of those guys back, they're going to be far from hundred percent. So and you have pointed out numerous times on this podcast, Thomas Harley being sent down, being that number one defenseman in Texas, running that power play unit for the Texas Stars. I was thinking tonight, without that seasoning in the AHL like he had this year, let's just say Harley was like Joel Hanley with the team all year playing off and on or like Lundquist. I don't think you see him tonight on that second power play unit. No, you don't know if Lundquist is for if they're switched, for example, if Nils Lundquist is in the lineup, um, he's not getting that opportunity. He's not having because he didn't have that AHL, that AHL seasoning, that AHL chance. So 100 percent on that. Um, I mean, we, we've said it before. Thomas Harley's development was handled the right way this year, and it's going to 
and I thought he looked good again tonight. I thought I don't think he's been intimidated by the moment at all. Um, it's I, I look at Harley and I look at the progress and I look at kind of how he's continuing to show he's ready to be part of the long term plan and it definitely allows us to have some more fun conversations in after the season's over about about that as well. We Win Here is Sean Shapiro's new book. I say that, so he'll continue coming on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And he dives into the Texas Stars with some amazing stories. Um, Talks about Jack Campbell. Talks about Curtis McKenzie. Um, There's a lot of stories in there. And if you love hockey and you like this podcast, one of the things we try to do is talk about stories because that's what makes the great game of uh, hockey. So final question, because I know this is going to be asked by a lot of Stars fans. I tweeted out tonight when the stars tweeted out, you know, be in your seats um, and 830 puck drop. And I tweeted out because the mentions underneath that were like, not 830, not 830, it's 850, it's 850. Come on, guys. And I just, I retweeted it and said, this is not a stars issue. So my question to answer for stars fans that are wondering out there, Sean, with your NHL knowledge. Can the Stars as an organization in the offseason go to the league and at least make a plea to try to make games, even during the regular season, to try to get them earlier? Or is this just a non-issue, can't do anything about it, you just happen to live in the central time zone and they happen to put you on late? I mean, they can bring it up, but it's going to be tough because it's um, now teams can control their own games in the regular season. A lot of NHL teams now, I think it's like 26. I think it's 26 of the 32 NHL teams now start their games at 7 PM locally. Um, for a while, the trend had been 7:30, but now most, most of the league is 27 PM. Um, the playoff schedule is so heavily TV driven and, Unfortunately, it's that's kind of the that, that that's kind of what you're beholden to. Now, I am certainly interested in seeing what happens. Um, there's going to be interesting litmus tests on Friday because I have not seen the quote unquote official like right now. Like I'm looking at the Friday schedule, and once again, it says eight thirty. Yeah. Well. This will be our first um, TNT or TNT because uh, with these two games have been ESPN networks. Uh, Friday is a TBS. It's TBS, by the way. If you're, um, it's TBS, and uh, the other games are on TNT. And once again, it's following Carolina Islanders. Um, and so I'm curious to see if there is anything to the network or because and we'll have a better answer on Friday, obviously, as we get closer to it, whether it's once again going to be truly 850. Probably will be, but yeah. maybe I'm just thinking of there's one other thing. I will tell people right now, um, just because it's a it's obviously it's a road game. Um if you're listening, if you're a listener in the Dallas market, you will be able to find the game still on Bally. So you'll be safe for that. But if you are happen to be outside of Dallas and you are having to watch on the national feed on TBS, 
and the Hurricanes and Islanders go to overtime, um, you're going to want to find where True TV is on your cable package because that is the flex channel if uh, overtime is to happen. So just giving a, a slight um, reminder to anyone who is listening and maybe uh, I struggled to get a Valley game or something like that, and you will be relying on the Turner Networks Friday. So uh, just know where True TV is just in case you need it, and hopefully uh, by looking to where it is, that means you won't need it. I feel like Sunday, 6.30 puck drop, you're like, wow, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> it's like a relief, yeah. you know? I can, wow, I can get to work on Monday at a decent time, and I'm not going to be it's, tired. And it's, it's the first game, too. Like, there'll be no – it's because, like, Sunday, it'll be – not the first game of the day, but it'll be the first game on that network, right? Like, it'll be – there's the, um, the TNT is the early games, the, uh, the two Eastern Conference games, like – I love the Sunday setup because the Sunday setup is kind of what they should be doing with these these Dallas, Minnesota, and LA Edmonton series where they should be the ones next to each other. Like it's they should yeah. be, they should be treated that way. Um, it's it's gonna feel so weird, right? Like we're gonna be we're gonna be doing this Sunday night, and we're gonna be like like wait, it's it's still Sunday. What are we doing here? Yeah, so. no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this has been a blast so far. Uh, just to let people know, Craig Ludwig will join us tomorrow, and we'll get into from a defenseman's um, standpoint the physicality. Um, and I think Craig will have some interesting things to say about that, as well as we'll do a, a deep dive like we did tonight on Stars Wild. Uh, get Craig's thoughts uh, moving forward, and then Sean and I will continue doing this because Sean's a beast, and I have no social life, so this is going to be great. I'm uh, super excited about this. My man, get some sleep. Always easier. I actually took a nap before this. Uh, that's uh, I, I actually scheduled because after the other night, I'm like, all right. So put my head down, set the alarm. When that puck dropped, I was there. But it felt good waking up and then watching a Stars game. So uh, I got my plan down now. So. Uh, excited, and uh, thank you so much for doing this, Sean, and uh, we will talk to you on Friday. Perfect. Looking forward to it. That's going to do it for Spits and Suds. Once again, this is a post-game edition. If you like what you hear, spread the word, and feel free to email us, or sorry, not email us. You can tweet us any questions, um, and we're happy to answer them. If you see something during the game, uh, that's what we're here for, and thank you for spreading the word about Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan.